0: you're listening to the ticker podcast from ir magazine a roundup of this week's leading stories and industry comment from the world of investor relations direct from our central london studio here's your host rory havelock this week on the ticker podcast how to keep up ir in a downturn europe wrestles with quarterly reporting and a new category for the ir magazine awards u.s Welcome back to the Ticker Podcast. It's a weekly roundup for the top stories and headlines from around the world of investor relations. We are back in the IR Magazine studios again with Tim Heumann, Condice Montpetit and Garnet Roach. Good morning everyone. Good morning. Good morning. And Condice has once again come up trumps with finding our first story this week um, and it's the news that the owner of a Michelin starred restaurant near Paris has taken a novel measure to keep bankers out of his premises. Yes this is a Mr. Alexandre Kaye who runs the gourmet restaurant Les Écuries de Richelieu, I think is how you say it, can't Les Écuries these? de Richelieu. Thank you very much. Um, he was furious after being refused a €70,000 loan to open up a second venue. In order to uh, keep the bankers who refused him out of his restaurant, he's put a sign up outside um, the restaurant in Royal Mainmaison. Thank you.
1: Uh,
0: now reads, dogs welcome, bankers banned unless they pay an entry fee, which is fittingly of 70,000 euros. Speaking to a French paper, La Figaro, this week, Cahier said, as soon as I see a banker that I recognize, I won't let them enter my restaurant. They have treated me like a dog, so I have denied them access, he said. Uh, the move has apparently struck a nerve among many entrepreneurial French business owners who feel stifled by a lack of support from the banking sector. And says, Kayé, we are all in the same boat. Every time we want to launch a business, we have to get on all fours. Sounds like a good... Woof, <laughs> woof. <laughs> I think that's an amazing idea. And I thought that maybe IROs could take a couple of pointers from Mr. Kaye about keeping troublesome bankers out of their own meetings somehow. Could they put up a sign or a blackboard?
1: Dogs allowed. Dogs allowed. Activist band. Yeah. But didn't a, a bank from Qatar um, eventually uh, call him up to say they were, they were very interested to sponsor his uh, future venue?
0: No, I didn't see that. That's a, great, that's a great end to the story.
1: Yeah, well, you know, Qatar is buying up the whole of Paris, the whole of London. <laughs> And now the whole of Hoi Maison. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you often hear from IROs that when there's some sort of big corporate transaction happening in which uh, investment bankers are brought in to help out, that the, uh, the, the bankers quickly take over and assume they know a l- lot more than you do about what's going on and about the company and About what, what the best way to do things, and so you definitely hear a lot of um, stories from IROs where I feel like they would quite like to to keep the bankers out of the room if
0: possible. Yeah, maybe it's just a case of ticketing it. You know, if it gets particularly busy, you have to you just take one like a, a deli counter, a little a little label with a number on it. Wait your turn. Or in add line.
3: that seventy thousand euro entrance fee yeah. that might keep people out as <laughs> might well. Might keep
0: the, the riffraff out <laughs> at least. Anyway, being very careful not to link Garnet too carefully to the previous sentence involving riffraff. We're on to Garnet now, and she's been looking at advice for IROs when they're working in a downturn. Not the Abbey, I understand.
1: Downturn Abbey? <laughs> really? <laughs>
0: it's quite a depressing place to I be, really.
2: It?
3: G- I thought it was a good joke once I finally got it. Um,
2: <laughs> Are you working that into your title?
3: I'm going to, um, once this article goes live. <laughs> I'm going to try and get that in there somewhere. Good news. Um, yeah, so. As you say, I've been getting some advice for IROs working in a downturn. And what it mostly comes down to is that while it might be tempting to hide away, as Jeffrey Goldberger from KCSA puts it, uh, what you need to do is open the kimono. So in a downturn, obviously, investors will be looking to sell, he says, but you need to make sure that you don't give them a reason. And in fact, he advises possibly sharing more than usual. If there's news to share, he says, then share it. And Geoffrey advises maybe adding in news reports that come out between quarterlies, um, just to keep the information flowing, really. While he does highlight that obviously many investors will be looking for a reason to sell, of course there will be those that view a down market as a buying opportunity. He says, quote, Just because the market is ailing doesn't mean that your company isn't thriving. Think of an oversold market as an opportunity to highlight through thoughtfully worded press releases the strength of your business.
0: And what does he say for getting out and meeting people face to face? That must be quite helpful in uh, times of trouble.
3: It is. Um, He he says that it's very much about taking control. Um, So he definitely doesn't advocate sitting at your computer watching the stock. Instead, he says, get on the phone to analysts and get out on the road. And while it might be a challenge to get investors to look at new investment opportunities, non-deal roadshows can still get you on the radar with potential new investors. He says, quote, a downturn is an opportunity to reach out directly on the phone or face to face with existing investors to bring them up to speed and to let them know that you value them as investors. And when it comes to analysts, you need to make sure that what Jeffrey calls these key opinion leaders are up to speed on your business and that they're in your corner. You need to arm them with the answers to the questions that they're going to get from their institutional clients. So make sure you don't leave them in the dark, he says.
0: It sounds in many ways, actually, what he's saying is that best practice for IR in a downturn is best practice for IR in general.
3: Exactly, and what works in good times also works in bad, says John Golifer, General Manager at the UK's IR Society. In fact, a downturn offers IROs an opportunity to reinforce their relationships with the investment community. Getting out there shows investors that you're not afraid to discuss the downturn, what it means for your business and your investment story. It shows that you believe in your investment story and so should your investors, John says he adds quote it's a classic case of meeting challenges head on take the opportunity to remain open when others may be too preoccupied or not thinking clearly this can only add to your credibility as an IRO. and so stay with that two way role he advises it can make all the difference in a downturn
2: i was uh, every every time you said in a downturn through that throughout that you after after intro it? i just had like um what are they, Lady Lady Mary and various other characters flashing across my mind?
0: Regrettably, I've not seen it. Um, I imagine IR in a Downton Abbey would be quite simple. There's not a lot to <laughs> to keep account of. It's interesting to see that you know the the hallmarks of good IR pushed through into no matter what the situation is. It's being you know all our favourite words clear, transparent, you know, accessible. And in fact, I guess that's just magnified when your when your your company's facing a dodgy situation.
3: No, exactly. I was talking to um, the head of IR at Croton, um, Carlos Lazar, for our global oh God, for our global top 10 feature in the spring issue um, recently and he was saying that 2015 was one of the most challenging years that they've had but obviously they did very well in terms of investor relations probably because of the way they were dealing with those challenges so absolutely key to remain transparent
0: indeed well, obviously transparency is the name of the game as we mentioned every week and tim you've been looking at um hopefully something Also in the name transparency, and that is the wonderful world of quarterly reporting, particularly in Europe.
2: Yes, this is something we talked about a couple of weeks ago, um, just focusing on the fact that um, late last year, uh, an EU deadline passed. So member states can can no longer um, oblige companies to do quarterly reporting. So we're anticipating a lot of changes in terms of uh, quarterly reporting across the region. Um, So just over the last week, I've been looking in a bit more detail into what's happening in different markets, because... While those rules have been made at an EU level, actually different markets and different stock exchanges uh, have slightly different ways of implementing these rules. And so depending on where you are, you've you've maybe now got some new reporting uh, regulations you need to think about.
0: Are there any countries in particular that are are taking an interesting approach to this?
2: Yes. um, in, In Germany and in Austria, they have an interesting situation where although the financial regulator says you don't need to do quarterly reporting, first and third quarter updates any longer... The local stock exchanges have said that if you want to be on the prime market segment, so that the part of the market which is for um, higher quality, you know, sort of best practice disclosure companies, then you still need to do four updates a year. However, they've got some new requirements for what those first and third quarter updates need to look like. So companies in in Germany and Austria are still going to be doing quarterly reporting, but they have a lot more flexibility now in in terms of what they have to do.
0: And is there any early indication of how companies might react to that?
2: In in the German market, they've been very good in particular about doing lots of surveys, um, asking what the market sentiment is, working out what everyone else is planning to do. And so there's quite a lot of good data on that market. Most companies, or the majority of companies, are still undecided. So there was a survey of prime standard companies by an IR firm called Comatis, And that found that almost 50% of companies still aren't sure what they're going to do. So therefore, with a Q1 this year, you'll probably see a lot of companies just continuing on as they, whatever they were doing last year, and then maybe looking to make changes in Q3. But quite a lot of companies are going to stop doing full financial reporting and move to a more of a a sort of a commentary-based report, which is similar
0: to the interim management statements that we have here in the UK. There must be a number of ways to tackle you know, a changing, a changing quarterly report like that. Are there any companies you've heard of who are doing something interesting?
2: Yes. Well, in, in Germany, again, because they have this new flexibility, um, the, the the minimum requirements of the first and third quarter update now can, can, can be as small as, as two pages. Just a, a, a quick description of the financial situation and then a list of important events that have happened. And so some companies are really thinking a bit out of the box in terms of how they might do those reports. The head of the uh, German IR Association, Kai Bommer, says, why not just put together a presentation rather than doing a, a, you know, a normal A4 report, lots of bullet points. You could do something with slides. That would have the relevant information in it, and then that could be filed as your report. And so there's uh, going to be these kind of new style reports which are coming out
0: over the next uh, few months in Germany. And what other markets have you turned your quarterly reporting eye to? This week,
2: I also checked in with the, uh, with the French market and there, it, w- what it sounds like, I haven't sort of confirmed this yet, but what it sounds like is that there isn't um, a sort of overlay of new rules from the local stock exchange from Euronext there. So the financial regulator has come out and said you don't need to do this anymore and then that's it. Companies can make their decisions based on that information, a bit like what we have here in the UK. So companies are a bit freer in terms of if they want to stop doing quarterly reporting completely. And actually, a couple of companies have already made the decision to do that. So apologies to Condice for my French uh, pronunciation. But there's, there's a, a payments and telecoms company called Af- Afon or Afon-A. And then there's a uh, champagne maker called Laurent Pierre. Laurent Laurent Perrier that one um (laughs) so close to him and i understand that both of those have have stopped doing first and third uh, quarter updates so the companies like that are are in the situation that uk companies have been in for a bit over a year now you know wondering if they do completely stop two of their four regular updates how are they going to handle that you know checking in with investors working out what the market thinks about that and and how else are they going to keep up their communications
0: with the market well, I guess the the final question is: Do you think a lot of companies are going to stop doing these quarterly reports? Then
2: the evidence from the UK, where where we've had this option for a while, is 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 no. I think there are a few companies that have done this, like uh, Diageo, like um, National Grid, Legal in General, have announced they're going to do this as well. But the um, there haven't been there haven't been many. And actually, the UKIR Society did a survey last year. I think during the summer last year. Um, asking its members what their plans were. And only 2% said that they plan to stop um, interim management statements completely over the next 12 months. So that's really a tiny proportion of companies are thinking about actually stopping doing quarterly reporting.
1: Actually, when I spoke to the Financial Reporting Council's um, Director of Investor Engagement last week, Uh, She said that, um, I mean, it it kind of depends if you have a lot of of, um, foreign investors, because in Europe, yes, people are very much in favor of um, ending quarterly reporting because it uh, promotes short-term thinking, etc. But uh, in the US, it's a completely um, different mindset. The more information you give out, the better. And so US investors still expect um, quarterly statements.
2: And an interesting thing they found in Germany um, when they were surveying the market about why companies might want to keep doing quarterly reporting as well is that if a company has a large fixed income program then it needs to do four audited financial statements every year anyway to support that program and so if you're a company either a financial company or you're like a a car company but with a big financing operation for example you're still going to need to produce
0: these these quarterly financial reports anyway so a lot of those companies are just going to keep doing it it's funny you mentioned the U.S. market, Condice, because U.S. investors and analysts will soon have their opportunity to pick out the top IR performance in North America. Look at the seamless link there. The IR Magazine Awards U.S. are on their way. And Condice, you're going to tell us about a new award that we're introducing this year.
1: Yes, we've created a new self-entry award to recognize the exceptional contribution to best IR practice. It's called the People's Choice Award for Innovation, and it's going to be given out at our upcoming U.S. awards in March.
0: People's Choice Award for Innovation. What is the innovation in this award?
1: Well, um, what's new is that IROs get to nominate themselves um, and actually service providers can also nominate their clients. What happens next is that uh, an internal panel of judges made up of um, seasoned IROs, investors and um, IRO Magazine editorial team members will select a short list of eight companies who will then be submitted to a popular vote. Here we have IRO Magazine's events producer, uh, Eva Karchmarch, who's going to tell us uh, a few words about it.
3: While the rest of the IA magazine awards are determined by an independent server of analysts and investment professionals, this People's Choice Award for Innovation will be decided by IROs themselves. IA professionals can nominate contenders by sitting any inspiring aspect of the IA programs, whatever is successful targeting initiative, a website redesign, a new sustainability program, or response to an activist attack, for example. Submit your entries and book your places at iamagazine.com forward slash US2016.
0: Oh, if any of our listeners want to um, submit a nominee, when's the deadline and what's the process for that?
1: Also, well, corporates and service providers, on behalf of their clients, are invited to send in their nominations be- uh, before February 19th. The shortlist will be announced on uh, February 26th, and iamagazine readers can start voting uh, on that date. And then the winner will be announced at our US Awards in New York on March 31st.
0: Yes, that is the Iron Magazine Awards US 2016. They are being held again at the Siprani Wall Street. I went there last year. It is a beautiful place. I got to dance a lot. There is a video, as we've mentioned before, with too much dancing in it. We've all seen it. We've all seen it. All the usual fare. There's There's a cocktail reception of dinner and, of course, the awards ceremony. And as always, it's based on our survey of analysts and investors from the U.S. market. Um, we will bring you more details in coming weeks. Make sure to keep your eyes on the website, IRmagazine.com, and forward slash events for more information about our events in particular. Uh, another mention of an upcoming webinar IR Magazine are hosting called Lean and Mean in 2016, Effective IR with Limited Resources. It's being held on Thursday, March the 3rd, 2016. That's at 9 a.m. PST, 12 p.m. EST, or 5 p.m. GMT. It's going to be investigating the trend shown around the world towards leaner budgets and fewer staff in investor relations team, even while the demands on these teams keep growing. You can join IR Magazine and Bloomberg for a webinar looking at exactly that. You can sign up online, like I say, for slash events. And as of this week, you can subscribe to The Ticker Podcast on iTunes. You can search for us on iTunes, or there is a link on our Twitter account, at IR Magazine, for full details of how to subscribe to the podcast. We hope you'll be listening to us for weeks to come. That is all we have time for, though, that lightning fast end to the pod. Thanks, everyone, for joining us this week. Thanks Cheers, very much, Laurie, And we will see you next time. Bye. 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 You've been listening to The Ticker Podcast from IR Magazine. For free access to all the latest global investor relations news and analysis, register at irmagazine.com or download the app.